Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 87 of Buds and Blue Jays, your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Riley McConnell. Riley, how you feeling? What's up? I'm feeling great. Had a full meal of Chinese food on this Sunday night. Got a full belly, full work a week, a, a week, work week ahead. Hey, but that's not the only thing that's exciting and happening this week. We are so close to baseball, man. Mm -hmm. And like, it's been a long winter. We were just saying before the show, this is the last time we're talking your ear off about stuff that has already happened. We're finally going to blast off some new stuff because the Blue Jays will be in full season form here in about a week, less than a week's time. So Jesse, let's get the ball rolling, man. This is our predictions episode on Buds and Blue Jays. Yeah, opening day is this Thursday, Riley. Like you mentioned, this is our last off-season episode, and it is our official Toronto Blue Jays season preview episode. We're going to go over some of the biggest storylines to watch for this season, things to follow along, who are the players that can make or break this season, what's going to happen for make this Toronto Blue Jays season a success. If the team does go bad, how bad is it going to be? Plus, we have some fun over-unders. We'll try to take a guess at some Blue Jays awards predictions and so much more on the episode here today. But first, guys, if you are new here, what took you so long, first of all, but please like the video and subscribe to the channel. This will be our last hour long episode until we get into 30 minute series recaps, which we do about twice a week throughout this uh, regular season, usually about after every series, give or take a day or two if we can, but we usually like to get them up and you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok as well. So many ways to stay close to us and your Toronto Blue Jays as we get through the 2023 season. But first Riley, let's get right into it here. I want you to fill in the blank with this. The Toronto Blue Jays will be successful in 2023 if blank happens. Go ahead. Well, I mean, right off the bat, if we're playing a match game to match the most points, I'm going to say if wins happen, let's get a <laughs> sure. little more creative. Let's get a little more creative. Let's think outside the box. Let's say, let's say if Vlad happens. Let's okay. say if Vlad happens. I believe that. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is very instrumental, obviously, being really the franchise piece of this team. For us to really take off, to be, and I said this already, the division winners, I mean, it's going to have to come from Vladdy's offense, and I think he can do it. Yeah, a little bit of a step back uh, last year, but we saw his runner-up year, and he did just fine. I'm expecting him to match that, Jesse, mm -hmm. from his 2021 and yeah, we will be successful. There's a lot of moving parts to this team. Obviously, I think the main part to this offense and what will end up, you know, us being successful is a great year. An MVP caliber season for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So it will take Vlad to win. I guess that can be our first main storyline that we're following here for the Toronto Blue Jays season. And that will be if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Boba Shett take the next step forward this year. Both players, Riley, 24 years of age or younger and are really entering the prime, not only physically, but maturity as well. And we've both seen flashes of dominance from these players. Vlad's 2021 was a movie, as he said himself. And then um, Boba Shett was awesome in September last year, 52 hits and only 32 games. So if we see that guy for a full length season, this Toronto Blue Jays is going to soar over their win protection and they're going to be dominant, dominant, dominant. And if they struggle per se, and they really struggle, you know, their Boba Shets like the 120 WRC plus guy or the 108 guy he was most of last year. And Vlad is just merely good and not elite. The Blue Jays might be an 85 or so win team. So the number one storyline to watch, I guess, for the Toronto Blue Jays this year is how good will Boba Shet and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. be? 
Well, we've seen it in two different times. I mean, if Vladdy can play the full season like he did 2021, and really if Bo can just take a part of last year's September and incorporate that on a year-to-year spread, I mean, that we're looking at two guys that are going to receive MVP votes every single season. I don't know if Bo got player of the month. Um, It escapes me right now, or he would have been in – he did. He would like. Yeah. He, he would have been in contention. But if he's player of the month, that's a big accomplishment too. And obviously, the year before that, Vlad was, I guess, the second best player in the American League, not named Shohei Ot- or first best, not named Shohei Otani. First best or second best as far as the award goes. But yeah, honestly, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is like the forty, the forty-eight for, uh, home runs. Um, I mean, if you can hit forty-eight, you can probably hit fifty. Spring training has looked. So far, so good. We got a little yep. bit uh, scared with the injury. He seems healthy. The launch angle is looking pretty good. It is. And yes. Bobachet, I want to. We rewind last year. Bobachet was having a hard time pulling the baseball and spring training. It's been a non issue. So the two guys we're talking about here, Bo and Vladdy, really starting off spring training good. And that's mm-hmm. a good sign because, I mean, if we could fly out of the gates and get a jump on this division, I mean, that would be really important. Instead of starting the first, you know, 30 games the season 500 if we can get kind of a six seven game lead early on mm-hmm. it's really going to set us miles above teams that are comp- going to be competing like the the Rays and the Yankees so yeah absolutely Vlad and Bo have to be good for this team. have to be sorry not even good they have to be superstars in order for this team to really flourish and not just be a good team yeah, I didn't even have this on the list of uh, storylines to watch, but it is very important this year that the Toronto Blue Jays actually get off to a hot start, especially beginning a three-city, 10-game road trip to start the year, too. It'll be very important that the Blue Jays probably go, what, at least six and four through their St. Louis, through their Kansas City and their uh, Angels trip. Like getting off to a good start is going to be very important. We saw the Yankees get off to a good start last year, and they just never looked back. They went on to win 98 games. So the Blue Jays getting off to a, gr- a great start is going to be paramount for this team to be successful but moving over to players Riley my uh, second storyline for the Toronto Blue Jays this year is do we get a rebound season from Yusei Kikuchi and Jose Barrios and I lumped the two together Riley because both of them had ERAs over five last year both of them were extremely disappointing and for what it's worth at least Kikuchi has looked good this spring both of them are locked into a rotation spot we are going to see these guys pitch every five days until something terrible happens and we need both of these guys to be good the Blue Jays kind of weakness I guess you could say so far is their lack of pitching depth and if we still have a Kikuchi or Brios that struggles again this team isn't going to be able to pitch well and you're frankly you just aren't going to win many games if you don't pitch well so Riley Kikuchi and Brios, give us your thoughts it's a scary thought right off the bat. I mean, Brios hasn't done a whole lot thus far to prove that he has recouped a whole lot, but I will give you say Kikuchi a lot of credit here. He's had one hell of a spring, a, sure has, a, one, yes. e, a one ERA, a, a ton of strikeouts, which is great. That's great. Going to be a good look on our, um, you know, our bold takes. He's striking out a lot yes, of, a lot yes, of hitters in spring training. We'll see how that converts over to the regular season and, um, and it's whip. Hasn't walked a ton of guys, Jesse. In fact, really has minimized any sort of guys getting on base in early in the spring. So that's that's a really good sign. Whether those numbers follow him into the regular season is far beyond my knowledge and predict uh, predictions. But uh, Barrios, I really hope he gets off to a hot start. He did not fare well um, with the um, World Baseball Classic. And really hasn't shown us in, uh, you know, he hasn't really had a whole lot in, in spring training with us, but it hasn't been, uh, you know, very good either. So Jose Barrios, 
kind of going in a little bit colder than you say Kikuchi. I really think Kikuchi needed that hot spring training because I think people had a little less faith faith in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but both guys, both guys are really going to have to prove themselves at this point on whose leash is shorter, whose is longer. I mean, it's really going to depend after the first kind of four starts of the season. You can't hold Kikuchi if he goes out there and and does terrible on his first start because if he comes out there in the next two starts and his dynamite gets through six innings of, of you know six hit ball even, then he's he's done his job as a number five pitcher for this team um it just it's it's just kind of sad with Barrios um where he should be in his career he's really taken a step back so it's really on the weight of the world is on his shoulders uh to perform right I think that we set his ceiling when he came to Toronto and it's slowly falling back down on him as the expectations aren't really that high for him going into 2023 might make it easier on him might make it more difficult who knows but I know in order for this club to win we can't just get wins out of our first three pitchers Yep. We have to, Agreed. we have, we have to get it from all five guys. All five guys got to be clicking. I will say too, these are our four and five guys in the rotation. So at least their first start of the season, they're going to avoid the St. Louis Cardinals, a uh, really good lineup. That's going to be our other three pitchers, uh, Jose Brios and Yusei Kikuchi's first start of the season is going to come in Kansas city, which should be on paper, a much better lineup to attack. So let's get off to a good start, Brios and Kikuchi, and let's set the tone early for what it should be a very good year for you both. Number three on my list, Riley, from the lower end starters to our big dogs and our number three storyline for what to watch for this Toronto Blue Jays season is do Alec Manoa and Kevin Gosman continue their domination of the league, Riley? And I know you and I talked last episode in our bold predictions. You're expecting great things for Alec Manoa. I'm expecting great things for Kevin Gosman. So I think we're both on the same page that both players should be really good. They both look pretty good this spring too, for what it's worth. And, you know, we expect both guys to continue to dominate. And I think that's the right bet to make. Right. But are you, is there any concern at all if one of these guys falters, you know, what, what are your thoughts on the two big boys in our starting rotation? I mean, so we'll take your, your guy here that you have a pick. You have picked Gosman as your mm-hmm. um, guy for the AL Cy Young. I have Manoa and I mean, they're not bad picks either way you look no, at of it. Of course. <laughs> um, you, you know, on paper, Gosman is, is kind of slotted in to have a really good season this year. Mm-hmm. And I believe, I believe that to be true, especially with, if you want to say that the balls in play were against him last year, well, we've done a, a great job defensively, you know, especially in the outfield to supply him with, the, the fielders he needs in order to, you know, change those numbers quite a bit has some of the best, probably in the top three best pit pitch mix of all of baseball. Kevin Gosman has been great since he towed the rubber for us mm-hmm. um, on his first start. Um, as far as Manoa, yeah, there are kind of things that are kind of against him. And I, I like it for him. Manoa's a guy who has is a bulldog and he doesn't shy away from any sort of competition, any any sort of, you know, monkey on his back. He just wants to prove that he's the best. Yep. And I mean, he he did that last year. And if there's any obstacles in the way in 2023, he's coming for those obstacles too. You best believe that Manoa and Gosman are going to be two of the top 10 best pitchers in baseball this year. And I mean, their numbers are going to back it up by the end of the year. I don't think there's any way they can really falter that far. Yes, Jesse, they're going to be poised to have the off start. Not every start can be a six, seven inning quality start, but for the most part, Jesse, yeah, you said it, man. Dominant is going to be a good, good word for these guys. Strike out a lot of hitters, get a lot of soft contact. I guess we'll see what kind of soft contact comes Manoa's way. 
I mean, but at the end of the day, like he has not given me a reason not to trust in his pitching. So I can't actually say like that, uh, you know, he's going to take a step back. I know that we've talked about the stats that back it up, Jesse, but I'm an eyeball test guy. And since he came in for his kind of halfway point in the Blue Jays season in 2021, you know, to last year finishing runner up in or sorry, third place in Cy Young, like he hasn't done anything but got better. So, I mean, like we said, oh, yeah, he's going to win the Cy Young. No, he's going to win the Cy Young. I don't care who wins the Cy Young out of the two, truth be told, Jesse, but they're both going to be two of the top 10 best pitchers in all of baseball, man. And they are going to be a big part in why this team wins games. They do it in separate ways too. Gosman's all about the strikeouts, you know, pound the zone and Manoa's a soft contact master on the mound. And it'll be very exciting to see them both. Uh, and yeah, they'll have to, if the Blue Jays are going to win this ALA's division and keep going. Number four on my list, Riley, of what to watch for this Blue Jays season is who are the surprising storylines going to be? I remember last year, Santiago Espinal made this team and got off to a blazing hot start, became an all-star. We saw good performances out of Ross Stripping last year that really helped carry the Toronto Blue Jays team. So there are going to be some players this year that we're not really thinking of right now that are actually going to have big dramatic impacts, whether that's a young prospect who comes up and really shines on this team or whether it's a veteran that, you know, we're not thinking of. Maybe Kevin Kiermeyer turns back the clock and actually has a decent, like, 120 WRC plus season, kind of like Kevin Pillar did in 2015. It's a non-zero chance that happens. So, Riley, do you have a pick, I guess, of who your surprising story is going to be for the Toronto Blue Jays this year? I mean, so position players, I really think it's a no-brainer. I mean, Pilar and Gosman, yeah, two great comps there. And Kiermaier with us this year, like, you could say that, that he, you know, there's a, there is a non-zero chance. But I think the more likely pick um, for a guy who's going to have a good WRC plus, a good amount of runs driven mm-hmm. in and a good run production would be a guy like Brandon Belt. I think yeah. that he is is in is definitely an X factor for this team. He's a veteran guy. He knows what it takes to win, and he was hitting in a very difficult ballpark to hit thirty home runs in. Um, you know, I'll call us a boombox now, trying to get with the times here in the American League East, um, and we're going to put him wherever in the lineup. You're going to see a lot of time at DH, I'm sure, versus right-handers. And I think he's going to do fine. I think he's going to be a big run producer for us. And, of course, Jesse, on the other side of the plate for a right-handed hitter, I mean, Danny Jansen. He's, yeah, good the guy's, good the guy's, guy's never played a full season, and it boggles my mind. For the for the time he's actually been on the Jays team, he's, he's always shared a catcher's spot. He's mm-hmm. always been overlooked or he was injured or something. And so it's just kind of the world is against him. And in the offseason, I almost did want, you know, in, a, in an alternate world where we receive something huge, I wanted him to go to another team so he could play 140 games and be a 30 home run hitter and drive in 100 runs and this and that. Um, that's not going to happen. He's going to be with us this year, which is which is great. He's going to do the same thing he did last year. I want to see a bigger sample size, of course. But Danny Jansen is a great offensive catcher. And then I'll just throw in the other guy who we haven't talked, but we, we said our top two guys in the starting rotation. And I'll, you said the, you know, our bottom two guys, but Chris Bassett, I mm-hmm. mean, he, a guy who's 34 years old or whatever he is, he's over 33 now, could be 34, um, had his best season last year yep. as a veteran player. Signs with us to come to the Jays. 
and throw that amazing low sinker, you know, heavy pitch, soft contact, ground ball type arm, which is a perfect, like that's what a number three guy, you know, on paper, a number three guy isn't supposed to do anything specific. But for us, that's a great mix, man. You saw how Barrios really gave up the fly balls. Um, Gosman being the strikeout guy, Manoa being a soft contact guy. Bassett fits in there just fine, man. So I guess I got my two. I got a right-handed hitter. I got a left-handed hitter. And then we'll go with Chris Bassett. I guess if you want to stretch it to go pick a guy in the bullpen, I really can't wait for Chad Greeden to come back. I've seen him a yeah, lot in the Yankees. Yeah, yeah. He's, he, he was good for them, man. And, I mean, he could be really good for us when he comes back. Riley, love the call. People forget Danny Jansen led this team in WRC Plus last year with 140. That was better than Vlad, better than Springer, better than everyone else. If he gets the at-bats, he could really do good things. Brandon Belt, we've talked about if he can become that 2020-2021 guy, he will be really good. And if spring training lineups mean anything, they have him slotted to hit right behind Vladimir Guerrero Jr. against right-handed pitching, which should give him a ton of RBI opportunities, which we like to see. Bassett, I love. Soft contact galore. Should be good. I'm intriguing to see Bassett. It's. I feel like it can go one of two ways. It's either going to be way better than we think, or it's going to be way worse than we think. And I guess we'll have to wait and see until we get there. I love all those calls, Riley. My one other call on who a surprising storyline could be is going to be a guy like Otto Lopez or Addison Barger coming up from the minors to really come in, take this team by storm. And if they keep hitting, then that could be a good thing as well. But Riley, moving on to number five, and we're going to take this off the players on the diamond. And we're going to talk to about the guys on the bench, Riley. This will be John Schneider's first full season as manager of the club. And we have brought in a lot of like veteran experienced coaches to come with them too. Don Mattingly, who was coach of the Marlins for the last four years, joins the staff as a bench coach. We've already seen lots of shots this spring too, of Boba Shett and Don Mattingly kind of being hand in hand, side by side, talking a lot of baseball, which can only be good for a young Boba Shett to have a guy like Mattingly here. And don't forget about guys like Victor Martinez and Edwin Encarnacion who have joined this coaching staff in some facility too. guys who have been good guys who have winners guys who have won in the American league too is only going to help. So I want to see how like the new attitude, how like how uh, John Schneider wants to make these players accountable and stuff this year, how that affects the Toronto blue Jays team this season. We are now a very professional looking ball club. Mm -hmm. Hang it up boys. The siesta is over in Toronto. We have got a new look for this Blue Jays team. And Donnie Baseball, a guy who knows what it takes to win. We got John Schneider, who grew up around these players, basically our young superstars on this team now, the manager of the MLB team, not in the minor leagues anymore. And yeah, Edwin, Victor Martinez, cool guys, just baseball guys to have around. But we're, we've are we added that veteran presence as well with Kiermaier and Belt. Yep. I feel like, as yes, the Jesse, they are players, but good pl veteran players can also act as coaches as well, seek guidance, seek, you know, just any sort of discussion, get the younger guys kind of contained. I think that's a big thing was I think we went through a lot of growing pains with this with this team the last couple of years. Call it kind of like baseball puberty in a way where we really didn't know how to act or behave. Now we've kind of grown a little bit and we kind of are accepting who we are now and what what our roles are on this team and what we can do on the baseball field. And again, keeping composure is, is a good thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. Both flashiness and confidence is great. Yep. Manoa's kind of like, I, I guess not really aggressive behavior, but he doesn't back down. That stuff is all very acceptable, but, and, and don't get me wrong, excitement, energy, keep it at an all time high boys, but don't let emotions get the best. A good coach, good, a good hockey coach, actually for uh, the Prince of Kenny Kings once told me, <laughs> don't let the highs, don't let the highs get too high. 
Don't let the lows get too low. So hopefully they take that into consideration. And yeah, if we're winning, have some fun, but don't get too carried away. And of course, if we do get saddled with a three-game road sweep or something like that, shake it off. Go back to the drawing board, hit the videotapes, see what you need to work on. Riley, that's good advice for us too when we're doing these episodes after every series. Let's not get too high when things are going well. Let's not get too low when things are going well because we know the baseball season is a huge roller coaster. It has its ups and downs. Even last year, Riley, when the Blue Jays uh, won all the games they did, we went through a bad West Coast trip that led to Charlie Montoyo getting fired. I'm sure something similar will happen this year for the Blue Jays as well. But Riley, I have five more storylines to get through before we get through. And this one might be the biggest free agent acquisition or free agent departure, I guess. And that is uh, Matt Chapman is in a contract year this year. So he's really the big Blue Jay who will be reaching free agency at the end of the year. And there's been no extension, at least as of now, for Matt Chapman. So it looks like he's going to play out this season on the last year of his deal here. And we've seen it before. We've seen it again. Guys like to perform and get really good in their contract year. And Matt Chapman, Riley, coming off back-to-back four-win seasons, a lot of the Projection systems have him between three and a half to five and a half war this year. Matt Chapman can do it. And if he goes out and has a big year for the Toronto Blue Jays in this contract year, oh, wouldn't that be fantastic, Riley? And that's kind of what I'm hoping can spark Matt Chapman into a big season for my third baseman. Yeah, uh, I mean, he is my favorite MLB player since Ken Griffey Jr. And that's saying an absolute lot because I feel like Ken Griffey Jr. should be everyone's favorite player. <laughs> Matt, Cha- Matt Chapman's a very special player, a very special athlete, consummate professional as that as well. Um, can he hit 30 home runs this year? I'm just going to throw that right out there, Jesse. He's done it before in a less, you know, a, a less accommodating park in Oakland Coliseum. I mean, to hit hit 30 home runs there. I mean, can he do it in this shorter ballpark? Well, he didn't really. I mean, I mean, he got he came close. We'll say close enough, but doesn't really count because a lot of guys maybe weren't even expecting that at a match happen. I was certainly expecting more, and I'm still expecting a lot. Let's call it this, though, Jesse. If you want to break it down, as far as just the the cold hard stats, I, I think that he's. I don't know if he breaks 250 on a batting average. I'd like to see him with a a, a plus on base percentage, though, from being able to draw out good. He's he draws out good at bats. He can draw his walks. That's for sure. But the slugging, the power numbers, man. I feel like this has got to be the year. If he does want to make a big splash in free agency and go somewhere and and be get, get his get his payday or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean. My, my, my thought is, yeah, I'd love him to be a, a Toronto Blue Jay for life, but I also think that would involve a, a bad year for Matt Chapman. And would we even want to bring him back That's the question, on, right? on, on, those, on those numbers? I, uh, this is so I'm kind of looking at like I, I in my in my heart, my head, I kind of think it's Matt Chapman's last year because if he if he does underperform, I think that the Blue Jays are going to shop around for a new third baseman potentially. I mean, we're right in our window. We want a we want a player out of our nine who's going to produce uh, like a really plus WAR third base in in this day and age in MLB has has produced a lot of good players, and I think they go after them. If Matt Chapman does not you know improve his offensive game, I truly believe that you know it's 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 going to be you know. Not good, not good as far as his payday and where he goes after. But if he does perform, yeah, look for teams to pick him up. And I don't know if the Blue Jays will match, you know, a different team if they're willing to, you know, give him eight years or or whatever the contract is looking like at that time. I assume six to eight years, 
$22 million a season for Matt Chapman. It seems like a pretty heavy amount, but for a guy who has the defensive qualifications as him, I mean, it's pretty hard to come by. But yeah, sadly, I do think it's Matt Chapman's final year, but at least let's make it a damn good one, That's man. It. Because That's this guy, this, yeah. this guy has the potential. He's done it before. I mean, he had a whatever seven and a half, seven point eight war season or whatever it was. I mean, his first uh, the season that wasn't his rookie year, the two in Oakland after that were were damn perfect, man. Mm-hmm. And and after that really slowed down after that um, after that hip. So, I mean, he's had lots of time to heal. It's kind of looking just to be a little bit of a different. His his swing and miss is just pretty heavy right now. So yeah. hoping for the best out of Matt Chapman this year for sure, man. Go out and get your money, Matt Chapman, 100%. Put your money where your mouth is. Let's have a monster season this year. Riley, speaking of defense that we get from Matt Chapman, a big storyline to watch for this year is how big of a difference will the new outfield defense be? Like Ross Atkins made it a point this year to get better, especially with no more four-man outfields, to make sure the Blue Jays were really good defensively. And boy, on paper, it looks like he did. Dalton Varsho was one of the best defensive outfielders in baseball last year. Kevin Kiermeyer's been doing this forever. That allows George Springer, who's still a good defender, to move over to right field, where he probably pages even better. So... It's outfield defense on paper. It should mean a lot, but how much do you think the new outfield defense will matter? Uh, I think it's going to matter quite a bit, Jesse, uh, because still we're not a team that's going to strike out a ton of hitters. Anytime you don't strike out a hitter or give up a long ball or give up a walk, the ball's going to be put in play. Yeah. So, I mean, the outfield covers quite a bit of the diamond, so what matters quite a bit, Jesse, and when you have the wheels and tools that guys like Kiermaier and Varsho have, I mean, that's pretty big. Varsho is a just known god in the American <laughs> League as far as outfielders go. I mean, he will go down in history, definitely not a Hall of Famer, but and as far as if defense was just involved in the game of baseball, then he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. As far as Dalton Varsho goes, He's the new kid on the block, the new kid in town. I mean, never an American leaguer. Um, He's going to be a real green guy on this Toronto Blue Jays team. Mm -hmm. But his defense number, defensive numbers are fantastic. He's got a phenomenal throwing arm. Has showcased it in the spring already. His glove is great. I mean, he seems like a a guy who's going to minimize mistakes where as much as I, and I'm not even bashing him, but we know how, you know, maybe Tay Oscar, not the best defender, or Lourdes, really not a guy who took great routes to fly balls, where Varsho, if he was a catcher primarily in the minor leagues, I mean, he's done a real great job of de- de- adapting into a major league outfielder. That's what he's going to be, man. And to call George Springer, you know, he's a great fielder, don't get me wrong, but he is the worst guy who's going to have the worst defensive numbers. He has the worst defensive tools out of the three of them, which and is he's still crazy. good, though. That's the thing. And, yeah. And he's still above replacement level, Jesse. Yep. And that's perfect. It's, maybe it's not going to matter every single game, but game on the line. Would you want to have three guys who can play outfield real well? Yes, absolutely. It matters, dude. And I mean, Springer going to hit at the top of the order. Varsho is going to supply some power. And you know what? Whatever we get at Kiermaier at the dish is going to be a bonus. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love changing this outfield up. It's a it's a very big shakeup, and I think it's the right shapeup now that the, you know the rule changes and everything is happening around Major League Baseball. This is the right route to go. I absolutely love it. 
I'm with you too. Plus it's going to be the little things like cutting a ball off before it gets to the gap to hold a guy to a single instead of a double or playing it properly off the wall to hold a guy to second from a third or getting a good strong throw in. So the guy can't tag up on a sack fly. It's going to be those little things that to the naked eye might be tough to see, but in the long run over the course of 162 games is really going to help the Toronto Blue Jays team. Riley, I've got two more and one happens every single year for the Toronto Blue Jays. It's who are we going to acquire at the trade deadline? I know last year, Riley, you and I were on this show. We were talking about how the Blue Jays should go get something big, something massive. We ended up on Mitch White and Whit Merrifield as a big trade deadline acquisition. So that was kind of underwhelming. So we hope this Blue Jays team, because we're probably going to need a big rush in the playoffs to get there and go is who do we require at the trade deadline this year? How big of a move will the Toronto Blue Jays make? We don't know as of now, who's going to be on the trade block. These names kind of circulate and come up as the season goes on, but what the Blue Jays decide to do at the trade deadline this year could be the difference on whether or not they uh, win a world series this year or not. Got a quick thought on that. Yeah. um, Not much to add on to what you said, but let's talk predictions, bold predictions about acquisitions. There. Through the grapevine, Jesse, I heard someone talk about uh, who will be a Canadian Baseball Hall of Famer possibly coming to the Toronto Blue Jays at some point. Whether this happens is, is you know, we have no idea. There's just been talks about Cincinnati Reds first yep. baseman, Joey Votto. Now, would he have a real spot on this team? I don't know. It's more kind of just for the story. I mean, it. But you got Belt, you got Votto. I mean, we already we're, we're rolling with Vladdy. We know that. Let's mm-hmm. try and find depth somewhere else. Oh, and of course, I didn't even have an answer going into this. Who I would love? Oh, I would love. I would like a little bit of Josh Naylor on this team on the trade deadline. Sure. Would love a little Josh Naylor. And um, yeah, I mean, we always make a move, Jesse, around around the trade deadline. We have to. We're a club that's going to be winning a lot of games around that time let's make that playoff push and you know whoever we have to give up we'll 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 know at that time maybe um you know addison barger takes a big step back not saying he will not hoping he does somebody will someone somebody will so some that's the thing about baseball jesse from year to year basis someone's gonna take a big leap forward someone's gonna regress quite a bit then we don't know who that is yet yep that's the thing. And then the last point, I think the major storyline that we should really be following for the Toronto Blue Jays this season is how does the new ballpark dimensions play, right? We've already seen some wall heights been moved. You know, there's going to be more curves. So they may get some more triples and stuff this year that we haven't really seen out of Rogers Center. Plus the heightened walls. Does it cause like some air effect through the Rogers Center? And maybe it suppresses the ball a little more. Maybe it... Maybe it makes it five further out like we think it might happen. We don't officially know. And it's going to be more of a talk point early in the season. But like, how do the dimensions play when the dome is open versus when the dome is closed? Does it play better at night during the day? All this stuff will have to be answered this year with the Toronto Blue Jays team. So just something to pay attention to as we go forward. We we used to have the only symmetrical ballpark in the American League East. And now we don't. I kind of liked having it that way. But Jesse, that is no longer. We now have we now have an official backyard style diamond where you would just kind of use whatever dimensions. The story on baseball diamonds, why they are actually is is very cool. Um, and I, I I think I, we're gonna like it. I think that's gonna cause for a lot of excitement, Jesse. Not that there wasn't exciting games in the Rogers Center, but let's just see what happens, man. It's uh, change is always nice. It's gonna add more chaos, I think, to baseball, and that's what we needed with the pitch clock rules to make the game faster. Let's make it more chaotic too. And uh, hey, for the casual fan, who doesn't love a little bit of chaos while watching Toronto Blue Jays baseball? Yeah, we got a lot of chaos. I heard, I don't know if it's true, Shapiro and Atkinson going on. They might put a snake pit 
behind second base. <laughs> so we'll see how that works out. Yeah, no, we're definitely going into a chaotic time. 2023 is going to be a really interesting year. Baseball's and getting mark freaky. My, mark, mark my words, Jesse. This, I mean, with the bigger bases and, and the pitch clock and everything, this is going to, no matter the shape of our ballpark, Jesse, this is going to be a very chaotic MLB season, and I'm very much here for it, dude. Let's do worse. We love the chaos over here at Buds and Blue Jays. Guys, that is our top 10 storylines to follow for the Toronto Blue Jays this year. Let us know what you think. Do you have one that we missed? Is there something that we're maybe omissing here? You know, the Nate Pearson revenge season, the rookie team and stuff. Like, I'm sure there's something we've got going on. Leave a comment down below and tell us what you think. But those are the 10 that Riley and I came up with and thought was going to be you know, the big storylines that are going to make or break this Toronto Blue Jays season. Now, Riley, I think let's dissect the roster here. Let's go over the offense, the defense, the, the starting pitching, and the bullpen and see if it is good enough for the Blue Jays to win the AL East this year and maybe have success in the playoffs as well. Riley, as the things stand right this moment, Fangraphs has the Blue Jays projected for a record of 88 and 74 in 2023, which would put a second place in the AL East. They give us a 26.7% chance of winning the division and a 71% chance of making the playoffs and about a 6.6% chance of winning the World Series. So before we dive deep down, Riley, how do you feel about those numbers? Too high, too low, just right. I feel like the definitely, uh, uh, well, as a Jays fan and as, uh, you know, I'm saying it's it's definitely too low, but I think even as a guy who knows the game of baseball, it's, it's a little bit too low. Uh, I definitely think we're at 90 win club. I'll say that first and foremost. I don't know the kind of numbers that are going to back up. Um, you got to remember the Yankees, they don't have Carlos Rodon to start the year. Oh, their whole the Red rotation Sox, has taken a dive right this spring. They're getting hurt last night. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, the AL East is going to be, it's always a competitive, competitive division. I mean, the Red Sox and Orioles are not 85 wins teams. And if the Orioles do sneak out 85 wins, then there has been huge progression (laughs) down that lineup. The Rays are going to be around 88 to 90 wins, and the Yankees are going to be about 92 to 94 wins. I mean, I would call us a 92-win club. I mean, I think we're a nine. As of this point right now, I think we're a 92-win club. I think that the ceiling would be 96 wins. And on the low side, I think what their prediction is, is the low side. I think 88 wins is is kind of our low right now. But I really think we're going to be between 96 and 88 victories this year. I will say MLB 23, the show, that game that just came out, ran their simulation of the Toronto Blue, of the Major League season this year. And they had the Blue Jays, I think, well over 105 wins this year. Like they had us cleaning up in the AL East. And that could happen. Manoa and Gosman continue to dominate. Jose Barrios bounces back. Vlad's the MVP guy. We get a good surprise. Brandon Belt's the guy we think he could be like. There's a non-zero chance that happens, and this could be the most successful Blue Jays season we've ever seen. Now that's the upside case. The downside case, Brios Kikuchi struggles. Say Gosman gets hurt. Vladdy gets hurt. You know, we have injuries up and down the lineup. We could struggle to be maybe just an above 500 team. The bullpen, for example, isn't as good as we think it could be, and we could really struggle. So 88 wins is what they give us. I think I'm with you, Riley. I think I like it a little more. Our 6.6% chance of winning the World Series is the sixth most in all of baseball. So that sounds about right to me if you were to rank where the Blue Jays are in terms of all teams across Major League Baseball. But yeah, I think they're a little low. And I think we're definitely going to be in the low 90s. And I think the Blue Jays are going to end up ALE's champions this year. I think I'm going to call it right now as far as the odds. Um, as good as the Rays are, I think it's I think 
fighting right now. We're going to look at us and the Yankees. I'm going to call it 60-40 right now at this point in favor of the Yankees. Come mm. back to me at a later Ooh. date. I'll, I might change it up. Hey, I don't I, <laughs> I don't like to say it, man. I mean, I've I'm I'm a I'll be a homer when it counts, but we're going to talk numbers and being realistic here. I mean, yeah, they don't the Yankees are a bit beat up, but I mean, they have a lot of offensive uh, offensive upside as well. So I mean, we're we're in it tough, man. We've never since our conception in in 1977, we've never had it easy. We've never had it easy, man. So we don't have to spend too much time on this, Riley. Just real quickly, our offense. It's definitely the Blue Jays' strength of this team. ATC ran their projections. They have nine Blue Jays players, all with 100 WRC plus or better. Vlad's 153 being the highest. And the Jays have five players in the top 50 in Major League Baseball. Jays had the third best offense in baseball last year. I think you and I both kind of expect that to be more of the same this year. We've added a good combination now of right-handed hitters versus left-handed hitters. There seems to be some good offensive depth in the minors behind them. The offense for the Toronto Blue Jays is going to be the like the selling point of this team, correct? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And sign me up for that 153 EWRC plus oh, yeah, for Vladdy. Because, I mean, let's put it this, like um, guys like Bo, guys like Springer, they could be in the 130 marks. Uh, Varsho could be a 120 guy if the power numbers are really supported with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and God, like it, even on the average, like we were talking about Danny Jansen. And Alejandro Kirk, if if he's if he's slapping the ball around, I mean, and Matt Chapman, of course, too, can can definitely if he picks up his batting average and and has the extra base power, then I mean, we're looking very good on the offensive side of the ball, Jesse. All right, and let's touch on the defense now too. We we already kind of touched on this, so we don't want to go too details. I've taken the nine or ten so Blue Jays that are going to get the most appearances defensively, and I've kind of ranked them into four tiers. So Riley, I want you to tell me if you agree or disagree with where I've slotted these people. We'll start with the elite defense on the Toronto Blue Jays. I have Matt Chapman, who, yes, some of the metrics were down last year, but I think, come on, Matt Chapman is going to be an elite defender again. And I got Dalton Varsho and Kevin Kierbeier. Do you agree with those three for elite? 100, 100. It's like I made the tier list myself. (laughs) Perfect. And then I've got the good category. I got George Springer. I put Vlad in there, even though he did just win a gold glove. There were some metrics that, you know, thought, hey, Vlad wasn't really that good. But I think he's good. He's definitely improved since where he was coming up as a third baseman. So I'm putting him in this category. And I got Whit Merrifield, Kevin Vigio, and Alejandro Kirk, mostly because of his framework he does behind the plate as the good category. Do you agree with those? I, I definitely agree. Some people might not have Biggio there. I would put him there as well because of his versatility on the field. Yeah, Jesse. that's the big De- thing. Exactly. I'm totally in agreement with you so far. So then on the solid list, I guess that leaves just Danny Jansen and Santiago Espinal. And then on the poor list, Brandon Belt isn't a good defender, but he's not going to be at first base much anyway. He's going to be our primary DH. And then, of course, Bo Bichette, Riley Sweet. I guess we should touch on it here. Concern level, 1 to 10 on the defense from Bo Bichette at shortstop this year. I'm going to throw it up to a five, man, because if he's doing it on the offense, he plays a premium position, and if he can produce those numbers at the plate, then I don't, I will care a lot less. If it's, if it's ice cold bow at the plate, well, making multiple errors in the field, then yeah, I'll be ripping my hairs out. But as of what my prediction is on Bo Bichette's offense, I'm really going to filter out those mistakes defensively. Hopefully they're not detrimental and cost us a ton of ball games. Of course, they're all going to add up, but Jesse, my concern level will be about a five. 
It's not, it's no errors have been made in the regular season yet. That's, so that's that number true. could change. <laughs> I'm going to put it at about a six and a half, I think, for the defense on Bobachet. I am a little bit concerned, especially now with the shift bands. You need more range out of your thing. Now, thankfully, he's playing beside Matt Chapman, who's one of the most rangiest third baseman you're ever going to see. So that should help Bobachet, but it is going to matter so much more. So please, Bobachet, if you're really putting it all together, please just be better defensively this season. I'm rooting for you. Um, pitching staff, Riley, the blue Jays were 16th in baseball and ERA last year. We were 12th in strikeouts for nine third best in walks for nine, but we were in the bottom third in the league at home runs for nine. And we were like bottom five in getting ground balls gone. Our Ross Stripling and David Phelps in our Chris Bassett and the Eric Swanson. So Riley real quick, the rotation, the bullpen, are they good enough to get us over the top and win a world series this year? Our bullpen has improved significantly. And I believe that we will have one of the better bullpens in the American league this year. Our starting pitchers are really to be determined as far as performance levels. We're really, we're really waiting here, really anticipating what Kikuchi and Barrios are going to do. I believe the substitution force from uh, Stripling to now Chris Bassett, I think that's fair. I really do think that if we brought Ross Stripling back, he would have not had the same year. Um, I still hope he has a great career with the Giants. I do not think he's going to be as good as he was last yeah, year. He's had a rough spring too with San Francisco so far for whatever that's worth. I. I think that it's pretty, I think, I think it's pretty fair. I think that if Barrios and Kikuchi, you know, are, 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 let's say just even a bit better this year and we get um, very good starts from Chris Bassett, not great starts, doesn't have to be perfect, just has to do what a three guy does. Throw throw six innings, maybe go seven innings the odd time of maybe two, three run ball for the most part will be all right. Uh, our bullpen is really where it's at. And I believe Jordan Romano is going to repeat, have another very successful year. And then all through it. Yeah, Phelps was great last year. But we've really, you know, a guy like Swanson's really going to do a lot of good things for us this year. And then, of course, Chad Green, when he comes back, whenever that is, another great, strong right-handed thrower in our bullpen, really going to make things difficult late in games for some teams. I want to talk about the bullpen depth chart here because, Riley, the Blue Jays actually have a ton of good arms for so limited spots. Like, Mitch White had a setback, and we'll get to that in news and notes, so he's going to start the season on the IL, which means Zach Pop is going to start the team in the bullpen, and I think you and I both agree. Thumbs up, Zach Pop. Love what we've seen from him. He's got good stuff. So the bullpen as of now, Riley, probably goes Jordan Romano, Jimmy Garcia, Eric Swanson, Anthony Bass, Tim Meza, Adam Simber, Trevor Richards, and Zach Pop. This doesn't include guys like Nate Pearson, who's looked good this spring. I've Always love Nate Pearson. You know this. Uh, Julian Fernandez and Junior Fernandez, who both throw really well. Yasver Zuleta, who was impressed this spring. He's going to be up there. And there are names that I'm missing that are going to be down in Buffalo that could all probably get big league hitters out today. So the Blue Jays have really, really got some good, effective players in this bullpen. And I honestly think it might be one of the better bullpens in the American League. I I love that. I, I'm starting to fall into this. Who is that relief player you or relief pitcher you did not like? You did not like Brett Cecil, correct? Oh, Brett Cecil, one of the worst. Uh, okay, so I'm falling into this syndrome where Trevor Richards is kind of turning into my Brett Cecil in Ooh. a way. <laughs> uh, you said those names, Jesse, and I really like them all except for Trevor Richards. So, I mean, if Nate Pearson has the opportunity to come up and someone has the chance to go down or get cut, 
I'm all for wearing whatever, a full uniform to a baseball game to lose a bet if Nate Pearson's going to be good for the Jays this year because I don't see a lot of good from Trevor Richards, but so much good from a guy like Zach Pop, so much good from a guy like Aaron Swanson. And, of course, Garcia is going to be great again. And Jordan Romano was one of the best closers in baseball last year, and I believe he's going to be again. I do just want to say Trevor Richards striking out everybody again this spring. He led our bullpen in case for nine last year. Now he gave up a lot of home runs. The walks were inconsistent. Too many base runners for Trevor Richards. But that is the thing that is keeping him on this roster. And hey, we talked about it last year. The Jays needed to add some swing and miss. At least Trevor Richards has some swing and miss. So keep that in mind. Riley, moving on. So yeah, pitching and defense wins champions. Do we agree this is a good enough pitching staff to win the whole thing? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there, Jesse. Okay, good. So let's move on to some over and unders here, Riley. And I thought this would be really fun. I scoured through the sports book this morning and try to find some interesting home run lines that they project for the Toronto Blue Jays this year. And I think we should get our thoughts on those. So Riley, I'll t- read the player. I'll read their line. Give me a quick 15 seconds. You think they're going to go over or under and why? Deal? Nice. I like Let, this. Let's go. And I think we should start at the top of the order with George Springer. George Springer is projected to hit 27 and a half home runs. So Riley, do you think he's going 28 or more or 27 or less this year? I'm going to say less, but not by much. Yeah, I think I'm in that same bet. He is a little bit over 30, but he's still an exit velocity machine. I could see him getting 28, 29, 30 home runs, but I also taken the under, I think 24, 25 is probably where he's 24 was on my mind. 24 is the exact number that was on my mind there. Okay. This Riley, this next one, Matt Chapman. This is the one you mentioned earlier that you thought, Hey, is there going to be a 30 home run season out of Matt Chapman? Well, his line Riley 29.5. So does Matt Chapman get to 30 home runs this year. He's going to, he's going to have 32. He's going to have 32. Eh? He's, I'm getting the over. I think I said he said 47 last year. I'm going to put him up for 32 <laughs> this year. Probably a safer prediction. He has hit exactly 27 each of the last two years. He had 10 in the COVID shortened year, and he's only gone over this line once. And that was in 2019 back when he was with Oakland. I am buying the hype of the contract year with Matt Chapman. I do think he can get to 31, 32, as long as he stays healthy and on the field. I'll take the over on this one. Riley, our next one, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And this is the big one. His line is set at 37 and a half. Are we getting more or less than this than Vlad this year? We're going to get more. The launch angle is yeah, going to be there. Everything's going up from last year from for Vlad. Everything's going up, man. I think, I don't think it's going to be 48. I'm going to call it 45. I'm going to call it 45. Hey, if we get a 45 home run season out of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., good things are happening. It means he's healthy, he's on the field, and he is turning into that perennial MV. He's turning into Albert Pools, if that's what's happening. And that's exactly what we need. I will go over as well. On the caveat, he stays healthy. I do feel like Vlad might miss a week or two during the season just because he hasn't yet. But uh, as long as he's on the field, I think this is an easy over. Two more players to get to, Riley. Dalton Varsho is our next one. His line is set at 25 and a half. Are we going over or under 25 and a half home runs for Dalton Varsho? We are going over, but not by a lot. We are going over. We're going to hit 28 home runs this year for Varsho, maybe 27 right around that. He's going to be a 2020 guy for sure. Um, uh, 30 home runs, a little tough, but he's definitely going to hit the over on that number. I think I'm going to take the under on Dalton Varsho. I do feel like changing leagues, right? It always is an adjustment. He's going to be seeing a lot more pitchers he hasn't seen before. There's a lot of swing and miss. There is a lot of slump in that game. I'm actually going to go under on Dalton Varsho for 25 and a half. And the last guy here, Riley, Alejandro Kirk is set at 15 and a half. Riley, interesting guy. He went on like a big two months where the power was there and everything was good. And then other than that, there was a lot of soft contact from Alejandro Kirk. So where do you lie on 15 and a half for Alejandro Kirk? I'm going to take the under. I'm going to have him as around 11 or 12 home runs this year. 
I don't know. I, I mean, it just it scared me for a bit where the power kind of it's not going to disappear. It hasn't disappeared. But I, I, I see it in the low teens, the low tens, 12 home runs. It's definitely, I think I got him under 15 for sure. I think I'm with you there. There were some other lines. Danny Jansen had an interesting one, but I think those five were the most appealing there. Now let's go to the pitching side, Riley. And I have projected ERAs for these pitchers. And you're going to go over and under these five pitchers. Ready? Gotcha. Alec Manoa, 343 ERA. Is he higher or lower than this? You already know my answer, Jesse. Yeah. He's way lower, man. He's way lower. He's way lower. I won't I won't go on about it. He's lower. I will say 343 does sound about right. I don't think he's going to be in the low twos. I will think in the it, high twos, low threes. I, hey, it sounds pretty high. I'm going to have – he's. I mean, even if he is in the threes, it's going to be low threes. A, a 317 ERA sounds awfully good for his 2023 campaign. Yeah. But next guy is Kevin Gosman. He's projected for a 341 ERA. I think you and I are both – Lower for Gosman. We're expecting real big things here. Yes. Yeah. Oh, ab- ab- absolutely, dude. Yes. Absolutely for Kevin Gosman. All right. Let's get into the interesting ones now. Chris Bassett is projected for a 384 ERA. Where do we stand on this one? I I kind of like where it sounds right now. I honestly wouldn't be upset if it was just a little bit higher. As long as the whip looked pretty good, if even mm-hmm. if he finished with a, with a low force, I'm probably going to say it's right around where it should be. He's going to eat a lot of innings too, which will help. The problem is Chris Bassett, he is going to be, he's going to have like three or four of those disastrous starts where it's like seven earned runs over two innings. But the rest of the time, he's going to be very good. And so we're going to see how bad those real bad starts inflate the ERA. Three, eight, four sounds about right. I might go a little lower just because the defense behind him should be good and it should be improved. Go a little bit lower for Chris Bassett. Riley, Jose Barrios, 423. Where do you land on this one? 423. I'm going to have them. I, I would like to say, oh, that sounds perfect. I'm going to have them just a little bit higher, Jesse. I'm going higher. I am terrified with Jose Brios, much like I was all of last year. I don't know. We'll see. I, I really need a reason to hope for believe that Jose Brios can put it together. And Riley, the last one here, Jordan Romano got a 325 ERA. Where do we stand with our closer? I, I, I hate predicting relief pitchers. This was a curveball you threw at me. 325 ERA. You know what? For the sake of saying it, let's have Jordan Romano around a two ZRA because he was is absolutely dynamite this year. Let's have him lower by about one whole earned run. I do think he might give up more home runs this year, but he was so good. His stuff is still the best in the bullpen. I'm going to go over, I think, but not by much. You know, I... I don't think Jordan Romano is going to have as good as a year as he had last year, right? And he's still going to be really effective. So get three threes ERA-ish or so, still with like 30 to 40 saves. Sounds good to me from Jordan Romano. He's going to have very good numbers as a relief pitcher, a closer at that. Going to strike a lot of guys out. Yeah, going to be prone to the long ball. But, I mean, if he rolls, you never know, Jesse. Like I said, I hate doing ERAs for relief pitchers because you really never know what kind of – because, you know, they're not going to pitch consecutive innings. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if Romano gets off to a roll, he could have, like, that one year that Zach Britton had, whatever oh, yeah. his crazy numbers were. So maybe Romano gets something like that. Who knows, man? Yeah, I, I'm going to say that it's it's probably pretty close, but I'd love to see it, a closer on this team with, like, a two ERA. And Zach Britton still left in the bullpen in the wild card game. Interesting. Um, let's go to prediction time here, Riley. We already kind of touched on this. I got seven things here. How many wins for the Toronto Blue Jays this season? Just give me a number. I'm going to say 94. 94 sounds great. That was the one on the top of my head. I'm going to go 90. I'm going to go mm, 94 does sound really good. I'm going to go 97. I'm going to be very optimistic. I think things are going to come together. 
Riley, team MVP, who wins for just the Blue Jays? Oh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yeah, probably a landslide. Probably the right answer. I'm going to throw some love to Bobachet. There is a chance he can throw it all together and improves the defense and really can put it together. Riley, this next one should be obvious for both of us. Cy Young Award, the Blue Jays team Cy Young Award this year. Well, I, you have Gosman. I have Alec Manoa. It's not obvious to me, Jesse. We're in different corners, but both co-MVPs or whatever you want to call it. Someone's taking home some hardware next year. 100%, and I believe it. A um, few more things then. The team's best rookie. Who is the Blue Jays' best rookie going to be this year? Well, we don't know it yet, Jesse. We don't know it yet, but it could very well be Addison Barger. Yeah, that's that's the one I like too. Um, Otto Lopez, I wanted to throw some love. He might be on this team opening day. He could be like a Santiago Espinal type, good bat to ball skills guys, goes really good, Riley. But I will say Ricky Tiedemann. He's on an influence pitch. He's going to come up midseason, especially if Barrios and Kikuchi are struggling still. He could be the guy kind of like what um, Alec Manoa was his rookie year who just comes up and takes the league by storm. So I will go Ricky Tiedemann as my answer for the team's best rookie. Riley, best Blue Jays defender. Just give me a name. The name is Matt Chapman. He's going to win a gold glove this year and do Matt Chapman things. And that's over the outfielders we have on this team. I will go Dalton Varsho just, just to be different, but both good answers. You can't go wrong. Three more Riley. Who will be the blue Jays best middle reliever this year? Ooh, best middle reliever. I'm expecting a great year from Eric Swanson. I think Mm. this is going to be a dynamite dynamite year for Eric Swanson. I'm expecting big things, man. Wanted to throw some love to Jimmy Garcia, Riley, but if you know me and you've been following the show, it'll be Nate, nasty Nate Pearson, who will come up from Buffalo. will slide right into that middle relief spot and be one of the best on the team. Riley, two more. Who is going to be the biggest overachiever? The guy who is going to exceed expectations the most on this roster. Oh boy. I honestly, the, my heart, my heart's pick right here has got to be Danny Jansen. Get him into ball games, get him on the bat. He did some nasty things when he was in the lineup last year on minimal appearances, man, and get him in the lineup this year. Cause he can produce at the plate, man. And as a catcher, Ooh, that's some crazy stuff. Love the call. I'm going to go. You say Kikuchi. I think he's just being poised set up for what might be his best year of his career in 2023. And I guess from overachiever, we got to go underachiever Riley. Who's the player that's going to disappoint us the most this season? I, well, I have a feeling and I, it's sad to say, I think it could very well be in George Springer for me is my initial thought. And it's just down to injuries or down to, you know, his age catching up to him. Um, and maybe the power does, you know, decline a little bit in the bat and the luck with the bat isn't there getting base hits and things like that. My Springer's me. Of course, I don't wish it upon any Jays players, but he's just my choice for right now. Jose Barrios is my actual answer, but I want to throw some honorable mentions. I think Alejandro Kirk could disappoint this year, especially with the bats. I think um, uh, Alec Manoa might not be the two ERA guy. He's still going to be good. So maybe that one won't count. And Eric Swanson, honestly, I think I know he's nasty and the stuff looks very good. There could be some disappointment potential in there as well. But uh, Jose Barrios, I guess, is my official answer. Riley, is there anything we're missing? Any award or something team award that we haven't mentioned that you think we should here? Well, we're talking about glove. I guess you could say who's going to, you know, we didn't talk about it. We could say who's going to swipe the most bags yeah, good call. Blue Jay good this call. year. I mean, we, we were talking about we got hitting, fielding, pitching, I guess, base running is the other thing. We got bigger bases. This is an interesting one. I mean, I guess I'll do your job for you. Who's going to be the Blue Jay <laughs> that steals the most bases, Jesse? Who is your pick? Uh, Whit Merrifield was the first one that came to mind, but I think I'm going to pick Bo Bichette. I think the sprint speed is going to come back. I think he's going to be determined. It'll go help with his MVP case, so I'll go Bo Bichette. 
I I love that answer. I have two picks, and one is depending if Dalton Barshow, it's going to be Dalton Barshow if he can get on first base enough. Yes. I also like the Bull Bichette pick, of course. Uh, Whit Merrifield, I think, will be in reality the team leader. He is just a naturally good base runner and a great base stealer. So I think that he is really the safe bet on who to take there. Well, Riley, I think we nailed it. I think we went up and down the roster. I think we've done our official Toronto Blue Jays season preview. I think we touched on a good part of every player on the roster, talked about how good this team could be. We talked about the big major storylines. Riley, I'm excited to get going this season. We are so damn close, dude. It's like a like Sunday night. I mean, it's baseball's on this week, regular mm-hmm. season baseball. I know spring training's great. We've been spoiled with that this year, uh, getting all the coverage we've we've seen all the games. And now, hey, like we're we're knocking on the door, heading to St. Louis for for opening night and it's going to be a good season, man. I think we've made some pretty good moves. They were hard moves to make really sending Teo out, sending yeah. Lourdes out in a top prospect in Gabriel Moreno. But I really think that the dynamic of this team is, is quite overlooked. We're a really different team than we are last year. Well, holding on to the same core guys that has is going to make this team really good. We have added really good complementary pieces to this team as well. Jesse, I do think that the bullpen is a real standout and I think a real most improved bullpen over this offseason. So, I mean, man, well, I, we've been a dangerous team and had the potential to be a real dangerous team in years past. Yeah. Let's say since kind of COVID uh, right around there, 2019, 2020, but it's 22 that going into 2023 regular season. And I don't think we've looked this good, um, you know, since um, 2016. In reality, we're a very diverse group. We have a lot of different toolsy guys. And yeah, we've got some really good core guys that are our home brewed guys. And I'm really looking forward to the season, the highs, the lows, whatever we have to sit through. But I think we're going to be very successful this year. The last time this season, Riley, I do just have a few news and notes here. We kind of mentioned them earlier. Nate Pearson was sent to Buffalo. Zach Pops on the team. Ricky Tiedemann will be in a six-man rotation. Just kind of limit his innings a little bit early in the year. So we have him down the stretch. Um, and Alec Manoa, Riley, was set to start opening day against Miles Michaelis and the Cardinals. Riley, it's a good move. Alec Manoa, SP1. Yeah, it's damn right. It's the right move. The guy who finished third in Cy Young voting, um, I also want to add that Michaelis is going to, I think as Montgomery's probably slotted to go too, right? I, I would, I would assume so. Yeah. So I think we're going to, I think we're going to slaughter the cards in the first two oh, games. Baby. I, uh, I, I honestly have high hopes. Bush stadium is a tough one to hit out of for, can be, can be if the air is heavy. Um, uh, but uh, Montgomery uh, with the Yankees, I think we can hit him well. And we Michaelis, yeah. And in Michaelis, I just I had I had him last year in fantasy. He doesn't scream like he's going to have a fantastic year. Um, I don't. Again, NL Central. I don't know a ton about the Cardinals. So if you're a Cardinals fan and are listening, I did not mean to offend you. But I think uh, this is a really good series for the Blue Jays. To, you know, get ahead early. This is a good series for us to do that. Yeah, we don't really have time to officially like preview the series coming up. I just want to say my pick to click, I guess, if we're this is a segment we're going to do this year is uh, Brandon Belt. I think he's going to have a good opening series. Miles Michaelis is the type of pitcher Brandon Belt will have success against. And so he is kind of my pick to click to get off to his top start, if you will. Do you have a name, Riley? First series? Who's going to click well? 
Oh, man. Well, first of all, if Manoa is our opening day starter, I would really like to see him go up and down that Cardinals lineup. Let's not forget Goldschmidt coming off an MVPL and 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 Arenado's very good last year. Uh, I mean, those are two tough outs in their order. And they also have some really good pieces in there mm-hmm. as well. Some really good young guys. The Cardinals done a great job, kind of a second wave of their team uh, coming through now. Um, and I mean, it's going to be a tough game. Let's not kid ourselves a tough series, in fact, but I think that, uh, Alec Manoa and Gosman will be able to maneuver very well. And I have them going both. I think they both, you know, go seven innings and put up some pretty good ball, but I think right off the bat, Bo Bichette going to have a great first series. Bo Bichette's my guy. For your pick to click. All right. Uh, that'll be it for episode here, guys. And that is officially the end of the offseason. The next time you hear from Buds and Blue Jays, we will be doing a recap of the, unless there is some major breaking news or something between now and then, but I don't think either of us expect that to happen. So the next time you hear from us, we're going to be doing our 30-minute series recap, and you can bet that we are going to be here after each and every series discussing the performances of the Toronto Blue Jays, what caught our eye, what we like, and then previewing the upcoming series to come. So please subscribe to the channel. Download the podcast, tell a friend, tell a friend's friend, tell your mother, whoever you need to tell to subscribe to Buds and Blue Jays and be with us here all season long. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok as well. We'll be down to chat baseball. Riley and I love chatting baseball. Hell, we've made a podcast out of it here. So we will always be down to talk some baseball with you guys. So please, Riley, anything else to add? Maybe, Riley, any words of wisdom for the Toronto Blue Jays this season before we get into it? Well, I don't know. I had something else on my mind. If I can solve, I've done this about for the past 20 episodes. I cannot solve this Rubik's cube. Well, you're talking, I'm listening. I've been playing, (laughs) I've been playing and clicking with this. I wonder if I'll solve this by season's end because I have no idea what I'm doing. Jesse, I'm hella excited, dude, um, for this season to get underway. I can see a lot of good things happening. Of course, we want to stay healthy. And we, but we want to play success, successful baseball. And I think, right. Yeah. We're on the road to start the year, but I think those are series that we can manage around and win. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, maybe we don't sweep the Cardinals. Maybe we don't sweep the Royals and you know, we play good ball against the angels, but I mean, it's a good, it's a good kind of time to get a jump ahead early in this division. Buckle up for what should be a big season, guys. We will see you on Sunday night with actual games to talk about. Let's get it. Thanks, guys.